You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I won't, I'm going to cut into the middle of the story, but I want to read verses 7 through 10. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul is writing here. He's reading and, he, or writing and he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want to read verses 8 and 9 again because that's what I want on the forefront of our mind. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I want to minister this morning, and I, I'll, I'll make it clear in just a moment, but I'll, let you, I'll pray and let you be seated. But I want to minister a most simple message this morning. His grace is still sufficient. You know, His grace was sufficient when you got saved, and it's still sufficient today. Amen? Will you bow your head and help me pray? Father, I love you today, and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and your love. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, God. For every individual that is represented, Lord, they are yours, God. You created them and they're special to you. Every family that is represented, God, we pray for them also. And we're grateful, God, for them being here today. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open our ears that we may hear today, God, and that our hearts would be open, God, to receive your word, and Lord, that you would anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would do a work that I cannot do, and that is to move upon the hearts of your people, and I'll give you all of the praise, the glory, and honor in the name of Jesus, and everybody says amen. I've made this statement lately. I, I would just want to share my heart just for a moment, just a little bit this morning, just as an introduction as I, as I get into the text. But I've made this statement a lot lately, and I believe it to be true, and I will continue to make it, that it is a good time. Believer, you need to listen to what I'm saying. It is a good time for the church. It's a good time for the church. With everything that is going on because of the condition of the world, because of the circumstances, the trials and uh, things that is happening, we are seeing people. We're getting, I, I'm getting uh, messages and getting more calls than, than I've ever got in the short 15 years that I have pastored, but people that are looking for something, they're looking for hope, they're looking for peace, and the only true peace that we have in this earth that we'll ever have is Jesus Christ. And so it's a good time for the church because it's a time that we should be here offering them the Lord Jesus Christ, offering them help through what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And so, believer, I want you to know today that why the condition of the world is not good, and just to be blunt, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get any better. 
It's a good time for you, the believer, to witness and to tell people about Jesus because they are looking for something, some source of hope in this world. I think it's impossible to put away out of our thoughts all of the turmoil and the disasters that is going on in the world. I woke up this morning, I never do it, but I woke up this morning early on Sunday morning, I never turn the TV on, I get ready, I leave, I, I grab my cup of coffee, I, and, and, I, and I leave early in the morning, but this morning I turned on just to see what was going on, and uh, because it's consumed, not consumed, but it's on my mind. The things that is going on in Afghanistan, the things that's going on in our world, we're watching as we've got friends and we need to be praying for them in Louisiana that the hurricane is about to affect. They thought the hurricane was going to be bad at a Category 4 and now reached a Category 5 and could be the worst in history. There's a lot going on. And I keep thinking, how much is it going to take before people allow the Lord to get their attention and be brought back to our knees? Because things are not happening by accident. It's impossible to put away out of our thoughts all of the turmoil and the disasters that is going on in the world. Today, and I made a post a few days ago, but today we have wars and we have rumors of wars. We have pestilence, we have disease, we have virus. We have a world that is embracing sin and we have young people that is embracing sin. We have parents today that are promoting sin to their young people, to their children in a way that has become the norm. We have hundreds, literally hundreds of earthquakes each and every day. If you look it up, there are hundreds of earthquakes each and every day all across the world. We are watching today that uh, where men are calling evil good and they're calling good evil and, and to look and to watch, listen, the world is not getting any better. This is a crucial time that we're living in. This is a time that we must work while there is day because there's a night coming when no man will work. Listen, believer, I come to tell you this morning, we must put our hand to the plow and not look back. Plow deep and, and to reach all of the souls for the kingdom that we're able to reach. We're on it a little bit while the world is looking for gov to the government for help. I want you to know this morning, I'm probably the most least political preacher. I've had people tell me before, how come you don't get more involved in politics because you could use your pulpit for that? I want you to know this pulpit, as long as I'm here, it's not to be used for politics. I'm here to preach that you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know what sets me apart? I trust in the process of God. If I put you in a relationship Relationship with the Lord. I don't got to tell you how to vote. You've got the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside telling you how to vote. Uh, I'm not political. I don't want to be political. That's not my job. To be honest and be blunt, I'm already here and I'm a little on edge, so I'll just go ahead and tell you, the Democrats have not got it all figured out. The Republican has not got it all figured out. Regardless of what you think, our government is not on the up and up. Uh, they don't have our best interests in mind. You better look to one that does have your best interests in mind. And His name, I'm going to drop a name on you, His name is Jesus Christ. You better look to the Lord. We don't got time to dabble in politics. Look, 
I don't mean this in the wrong way, and I'm not trying to be irresponsible, but while the world is consumed about what's going on in Afghanistan, the world is consumed about what is going on with COVID, the world is consumed about what is going on in our soul or, or in our schools, uh, I want you to know, and I mean this, and I'll stand before God and give an account. Uh, my heart and my mind is turned to everybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. One of these days we're going to hear, well done, or depart for me and I'm here to tell you this morning regardless of what you think about COVID about a vaccination about us leaving Afghanistan the truth of the matter is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior you're not going to receive eternal life you're not going to I'm not going to fight you with about petty stuff the most important thing that we need to talk about is are you born again are you born again are you born again is your children born again? There was ever a time that we, have, uh, as men, need to be leading our family in the way of the Lord, it's now. If there's ever a time that your children need to be in the presence of the Lord, it's now. Amen. I'm preaching good. We need the Lord. It's a crucial time that we are living in. The true church still believes today. While our mind and our, our, our attention, and I was on it last Sunday about being deceived and distracted our attention is being distracted. Look, listen, church, you need to look up. We need to be watching for the return of the Lord. I still believe 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord Himself is going to descend from heaven. He's going to descend with, from heaven with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. I believe with all of my heart that this soon and very soon that the dead in Christ are going to rise first, that graves are going to pop up and the sea is going to give up its dead. I believe that we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I am 41 year old and I've heard this all of my life, but it's different today than what I used to hear because today we have men and women that are having visions about heaven, having dreams about heaven, and it's a true account because it's biblical. We have people today that are feeling it in their spirit like never before. Uh, you don't have to look at the book of Revelation to see what's going to unfold today. We're not waiting for something else to unfold. Uh, we are listening for the sound of the trump of God uh, and the Lord Himself to return after the bride of Christ. That's what we're doing. We're listening for a sound. You could be working tomorrow. You could be a farmer. You could be working tomorrow and all of a sudden, poof, called off of your John Deere tractor. Because Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. I don't know if we've received that well this morning, but he's coming. That message is not a message of condemnation. That message is a message of hope. You know why? That's a, and I've heard preachers preach it as condemnation. If you don't know the Lord, you need to run up here right now and try to scare people. And I'm not saying what they said was wrong, but when we come at it at a heart of trying to scare you to come, uh, then what you get when you get to an altar is probably not going to last anyway. I'm not preaching it as a message of condemnation. I'm not preaching it as doom and gloom. I'm preaching it like this. The very fact that you're still here this morning is the fact that God has mercy upon your life and His grace is still sufficient for you. Uh, you're not out of time. You can receive the Lord this morning. Uh, don't be left behind. Go when the Lord calls His church home. It's a message of hope. The true church still believes that. But as a pastor, my heart, my spiritual responsibilities are pulled. 
I'm obligated to work while there's day. I'm, I'm obligated, of course, to see as many as I can to be born again and come to the knowledge of the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm obligated to also point people to the coming of Christ as a point of comfort. I want you to listen. I'm not coming at either one of them angles this morning. I'm also obligated this morning to encourage and strengthen the body, the individual believer. Because while we're watching things unfold and the coming of the Lord is sooner than ever before, we're also seeing a greater attack from the enemy upon the minds and hearts of the very elect. And if we're not careful, we will grow faint, we will grow weary, and we will quit believing what we once so with our whole heart believed. So this morning, I'm here to encourage. I'm here to reach out to the one that is maybe weary, one who maybe has weak faith. I can't say I've got strong faith this morning, but there's sometimes my faith is stronger than other times. Amen? But the one that may be losing hope in Christ, I just want to talk to you this morning. I believe it's a good time for the church. I believe that people are going to turn to something. Life is going to turn you to something. Life is going to turn you to something. Think about life is going to turn you to something. Every situation is going to turn you to something. I also see the enemy of our soul working overtime to discourage, to fleece the flock. It talks about the enemy as a roaring lion came to seek who he may devour. It gives us a picture of a lion sitting in the edge of the woods, watching as his prey would come by. You see herds of animals that he could take out come by. But what the roaring lion does, she watches for the one that may be falling behind a little bit. And the one that has fallen behind a little bit or is a little bit crippled or a little bit wounded, when he sees that one, he says, that's the one I want. And after everybody else moves on, he eases in. He takes out the one that is weak, that's in behind. But I want you to know, when it comes to being a part of the family of God, even though we may be weak and lag behind, Jesus Christ is not going to leave you out there being weak. No, he's the one that picks you up. He's the one, if necessary, if you keep wandering away, will break the leg of the lamb and throw it over where you're dependent upon him. He didn't come to leave you. The devil's there to kill you and to, to, to destroy you, but he didn't come to leave you this morning. But I, I just want to talk to you this morning about the one that may be a little weak, a little weary in their journey for the Lord. A great truth that we find here in this text <clears throat> Not something we just need to read, but something that we need to believe is the grace of God by which you were saved. The grace of God by which you were saved is sufficient to keep us and to help us in our time of trial and our time of weakness. I have no intent of being before you very long this morning. That may not mean a lot, but I have no intention of being before you a long time. I'm learning there are times that, that, that I need to quit, time that I need to just back off and let the Lord have his perfect work when we give a great truth. And so I'm going to let the Lord do what he needs to do upon the individual heart. But I want to recall briefly just some truth here. 
so that we as a congregation are on the same mind. We're in the same thought process this morning. Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, and Corinth was a corrupt place. It was horrible. You had a lot of people that were claiming to be followers of Christ, but there was absolutely no fruit at all that was being produced. They were more like the devil than the rest of the world in that area. And Paul come into the church of Corinth, and he began to write them a letter scolding them and getting on to them. You said you're a believer and you're caught up in all of this maliciousness and all of this sinful uh, lust of the flesh. And this is not the actions of the believer. And i got to stop right there and say this. That if you are a believer, the world ought to know you're a believer. The world ought to know you're a believer. We've been set apart. We're different. i got to follow up by saying this. We're not perfect. But we're different. And as a believer, when I fail, when I mess up, even if I do it in the eye of the public, the public needs to see me, ask them for forgiveness, and ask God to forgive me, and keep on. But he came and he wrote them a letter of correction. They had once been enlightened on the truth, but they used grace as so much of the church today does. They used grace as a license to sin. Well, I thought we could continue on in what we are doing because of the grace of God. Paul says, you don't know what the grace of God is. You have no idea what the grace of God is. Because if you've been born again, you don't have a desire to continue in the lifestyle of the old man. If you've been born again, our desires begin to change. So he caught, they were caught up in all kinds of sin and fornication, adultery, lying, gossiping, backbiting, all kinds of sin. And he came in to correct them. But in his second letter, he was there to instruct them that repented and to teach them about grace. And in doing that, when we look at our text in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, I want you to bring that uh, verse number 9 up one more time, please. When we look at this text, what we are doing is we're reading a firsthand story. It's a testimony of a man that is understanding what they're going through, but testifying to them that even with the desires of the flesh that they are feeling, that he was one that also and still continues to feel the desires of the flesh, but he wants them to know that with everything that he's already been through, he's found that the Word of God was true when God said, my grace is sufficient. And he's telling them, if God's grace is sufficient for me, then God's grace is sufficient for you also. And he begins to lay it out to them. In this letter, he gives a testimony. He says, I too have had a thorn in the flesh. I'm going to be plain. That's just how I am. I too have had a thorn in the flesh. That's what he call it. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. A messenger of Satan that continued to annoy him. And when we look at the study here, no Bible scholar is 100% clear. But what we know is, is that the devil was using a messenger and God was allowing it to continue to bother him. To discourage him. To get him down. And Paul made this a matter of prayer. He said, I've went to the Lord at least three times and I've asked God to remove it from me and God has not removed it. 
To put it simple, Paul is telling them, I know that the temptation that you're going through is real. I know that the trials that you're facing is difficult. I know that the, 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 I realize that something, sometimes everything is against you. That's what Paul is telling them. And church, I come to tell you this morning, in my short, short time of being able to have a relationship with God, I want to tell you this morning, sometimes the trial is more than I want to endure. Sometimes the tribulation is more than I want to face. Sometimes I too feel like that everything in life is against me. You know the Bible is more real than what we give credit. You know what Paul is telling us this today? He's not telling us to just suck it up, buttercup, and get over it. He's not telling us that, oh, what you're going through is no big deal. He's not making light of a situation. He's not saying to grow up. He's not telling us that. Mm, I get a little irritated, Brother Jeremy, when I hear, I hear scriptural, try to be biblical advice, and somebody's saying, oh, well, you just need to get over that and go on. Sir, you don't have a clue what I'm going through. You're not with me on a daily basis. You're not experiencing the oppression. You're not going through the depression. You don't know what I'm going through. To tell somebody just to get over it, let me tell you, that is the worst advice we could ever give. Paul's not doing that, Brother Shea. He's not doing that. He's coming to them and he's telling them, he said, I want you to know. I know it's real. I know it's strong. I know that it's more than what your flesh can take. Just to be blunt, I can tell you that sometimes we feel like everything is against us. That's what Paul is telling them. Church, let it be real with you today. The Bible is not making light of your situation. God is not making light of our situation. That's not what Paul was instructed to do. He was telling them that we understand. We realize that. I don't know what it's like to, to go through maybe what you're going through in your home. But vice versa, you don't know what I've been going through either. So let's just be plain and, and find equal ground and say this. Uh, the grace of God was sufficient for Paul. The grace of God was sufficient at Corinth. The grace of God is sufficient for you. Uh, and the grace of God is sufficient for me today. He says this. Grace of God that has been given, the strength that He has provided, He made it sufficient and it become perfect for me. And that this sufficient grace and perfect strength that I have experienced, I'm talking in the place of Paul, that I have experienced in my life, I want you to know that it's available for each and every person that will believe also. As we reflect on the life of Paul, just a moment. Because I want to stay in our text. I don't want to veer off where I'm at. i got to recall that the fact that God saved and called Paul and was known as the chief of all sinners. He called Paul. He was first known as Saul on his way to Damascus with marching papers with a legal right to persecute anybody that claimed to be a believer. And on his way, the Lord stopped him in his tracks, dead in his tracks, shone up on him with a great light, so bright, that it blinded him in his way. He began to call upon him, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do thou kick against the pricks? Saul said, what would you have me to do, Lord? What would you have me to do, Lord? To make it short, Saul was blinded. They led him, those that were with him, led him to Damascus, left him there. 
They left him there. So you think you're, the people that loves you when you're out in sin and your friends that you got when you're out in sin, oh, they really love you and they really care about you. You accept Christ, they will leave, they will run from you faster than a herd of red wolves that you just affected their nest. They left him. And the Lord says, now that I've got Saul where I want him, Ananias, go pray for him. Ananias says, no, sir. He's mean. God, do you know him? Have you met him? God's, yeah, I think I know a thing or two about him. But he's had a change of heart. Ananias, go pray for him. Ananias goes in, and as soon as he walks in, I got to think he's probably testing the waters a little bit. Because he says, Brother Saul? And that is either a time that he would know that he was a brother, or he better run for all of his life. Brother Saul, the Lord told me to come pray for you. I'm going to lay my hands upon you that you would receive your sight. What a powerful moment in the text. That you would receive your sight and God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because he's got a plan for you. He's called you to preach the gospel to the Gentile world. And he laid his hands upon him and received his sight. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and he got up and the Bible says immediately he went to preach the gospel. I want to tell you, i got to stop right here to tell you this. I may not know you very well. I may not know you at all. I don't know the details of your life, where you've been, what you've done, what you've thought. I don't know. But I want to tell you this morning, according to the Word of God, if God can save Saul and call him in the ministry, uh, God can save you this morning and use you in His purpose and in His plan. Uh, if He can save the chief, He can save all of us little Indians this morning. So He touched him. And He went about. Preaching the gospel. It was called to the Gentiles. Give a revelation of what Jesus Christ would accomplish on the cross of Calvary. And it delivered that to us in the letter of Romans. And much more. Now watch this. All he wanted to do when he got saved is serve God. That's all I want to do. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to, do you remember when you first got saved? All I want to do is serve God. I just want to make an impact on somebody's life. I want you to see this. I want you to see this timetable. All I want to do is serve God. Got up that morning. Can't wait Monday to tell my friends about it. Because they're going to want exactly what I have. Just to find out that they didn't have anything to do with Jesus. All they wanted to do, Brother Troy, was to serve the Lord. Now watch this. To every believer. Saul quickly found out that even though all he wanted to do was serve God, that everything was against him. To every believer that thinks about giving up, we always think about giving up when everything is against us. We never think about quitting when everything is going good. We never think about it. Because I'm just going to be plain. Trials get tougher. The battle never quits. The enemy gets us, and I said us, thinking about ourselves and our own life. The enemy gets us, to, he starts to outline another way of life for us. Good thing I'm just preaching to myself because I'm all alone right here. He gets me to thinking about a whole different life. And before I long, I start thinking, you know what? The grass is greener on the other side. I think I'll just leave this behind and go on and do something else. 
Before I know it, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Our text, Paul talks a little bit about this and he outlines this and this is what I want you to see. He says, I've got a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that will not leave me alone, affecting every area of my life. About the time I think everything is going good, he comes at me harder than what he did before. Trying to destroy. He wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. And I'm going to put this together. He said, even though times are sometimes too difficult, our loss is too great. And the trials continue to overcome us and to weigh us down. He gets in front of them. Put yourself in the text. He gets in front of them and he says, you know what? To me too, I have experienced these great difficulties. If we look back at chapter 11 and they believe that when the Apostle Paul was telling them this, he was referring back to chapter 11 of all of the things that he went through. I want you to think about this just a little bit. And I'm going to look back and just skip and hop through a couple of things. First of all, with Paul in front of them, he says, I too have had a messenger of Satan. Let me tell you about it. He says, I have been in labors. All I want to do is serve God and all I want to do is preach. I just want to reach the Gentile world like God has called me to do. And you know what that's got me? I've been in labors more abundant. I now am in stripes above measure. I've been in prisons more frequent than what you have. And all I want to do is serve God. All I want to do is see somebody's life changed. I'm just doing what God called me to do. I'm going where God called me to go. And let me tell you, church at Corinth, where it's got me, I've been in the face of death more often than what any of y'all have ever been in the face of. I've been before the Jews five times. They've given me 39 stripes. And all I want to do is get somebody, let somebody experience this born again experience. He says this three times. I've been beaten with rods. I just want to serve God. Me and Silas, we one time were serving the Lord. Let me tell you about this powerful experience. He said we were stretched out on a prison cell floor. We couldn't do anything or go anywhere. But we began to pray and seek the face of God. And God sent a great shaking and the shackles fell off. The lights went out. When we woke up, we were free. And there was a jailer there about to kill himself. And I stopped him and said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. A jailer... Yeah, but I must kill myself. There are some that got loose. No, we're all here. And the jailer said, Then what must I do in order to be saved? And he told him and went to his house and all of them got saved. I got to believe Paul and Silas is rejoicing. They're on a spiritual high. Thank God for everything he's done. And then he says this, After that I was stoned. I was stoned. I hope I'm relaying this to you this morning. All I want to do is see God do something great. And all that keeps happening to me is I get stoned or I get beaten or I get shipwrecked. And all I'm trying to do is serve God. Paul tells them this. You know what? After this, there was a young girl that was vexed with a demonic, a spirit of divination. Her owners were using her for great gain. 
She followed us around for a couple of days and the Lord gave me, I'm putting it in my own words, I'm sorry if that offends you, but uh, the Lord gave me permission and I turned around and I cast that demon spirit out and she was made free and we're all rejoicing and thanking God for it and they throw me in prison. And God allowed them to do it. He says this, I, sh- I suffered shipwreck. I had a vision There was a man from Macedonia woke up and said, Paul, come over here and help us. Uh, He said, I'm going. Even the disciples said, you don't need to go over there. He said, I would rather die than to not go over there. I am ready to go and to preach the gospel because I know that's where the Lord has sent me. Got to believe that he was believing that God is going to keep his hand upon him. And he did. But through it all, he says, I've been in journeys often. I've been in the night and deep. I've been in the, uh, the sea uh, the night, night and day I have been in the deep. I've been in dangerous waters, dangerous robbers, dangerous of my own countrymen. I've been in dangers of the heathen, perils of the city, perils of the wilderness, and perils of the sea, and perils of, the false, uh, of my false brethren. He said, I've been weary. I've been in pain. I've been in weakness. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've had to fast. I've been cold. I've been hungry. And he says, then right back at that, I landed on the side of the sea. There was a fire there. I reached my hand close to the fire and a viper that would kill me came out and bit me. My hand swelled up and I should have died. He said, I didn't. But right after that, I was persecuted, taken before the great high priest. He said, I was preaching. A man fell from the balcony. Y'all think I preach a long time? I don't really preach a long time. You think preachers preach a long time? Paul preached so long one time a man fell asleep, fell from the balcony. You'd think that would be a good time to come to a close. But Paul went over and laid his hands upon him, prayed. God brought him back to life. He set him back up and kept preaching. <laughs> oh, Paul's saying, what an amazing time. And then right after that, he says, there's things that comes upon me daily. Even though God is doing something, there's things that comes upon me daily. And I'm still trying to care for the church. And he says this, who's weak? I'm not weak. Who's burned out? (laughs) I'm not burned out. Who's offended? How can this man not be burned out and offended? I'm not offended. He says, if I must needs the glory, I will glory in my infirmities. Because everything that I went through just proved to me more and more that the grace of God would be sufficient and His strength would be made perfect in my time of weakness. So the Apostle Paul stood up here, tells them all of this. A guy that dedicated his life to the ministry, but he just could not catch a break. You ever felt like you just couldn't catch a break? Dedicated his life to ministry. Paul was not a one that was up and down. Paul was one that was giving his heart to reaching those for the gospel. He cared about the gospel. And he was a humble man. And God gave him two truths that he has relayed to us in the scripture today. And I want to give you these. And I'm going to hush. Because it's for the believer today. First of all, he gives him what to believe. And second of all, it gives him a purpose. 
Verse number 8, can you bring that back up for me, please, Sister Sarah? This thing, I've got to bring you this. I besought the Lord thrice three times that it might depart from me. You know what I found? I found that I can relay with Paul because this is what I do at first. When something is conflicting me, the first thing I do is say, God, remove this thing. Get rid of it. Get rid of this. And most times it's not gone. Lord, remove this trial. And he doesn't remove it. But here's our thought process. If you'll just be honest with me this morning. Our desire is for God to remove it. And we are so selfish. I said we. Maybe I should say I. I am so selfish that when God doesn't do like I ask him to do, I get mad. I, I get mad. God, you didn't remove it from me. So I guess you don't care about me. I guess you, you're not listening to me anymore. Because anybody else try to give God advice? He just won't listen. Well, God, I guess you don't hear my prayers anymore. Paul said, I besought the Lord three times. He kept on asking the Lord. When really our rightful prayer was, should be, as Jesus prayed, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But if not, God, teach me. Give me the strength to endure whatever I've got to endure. He got mad when he does it. <clears throat> Verse number 9. The Lord tells him, no. I got to, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. The Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your time of weakness. And then Paul says, most gladly, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we look at this verse, the word grace here is more than just unmerited favor. New covenant, New Testament way is this. It is the divine influence. You need to look it up in a simple strong. The divine influence of the spirit and the reflection upon the heart and the life. It is the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. In other words, grace is the help of the Holy Spirit that God has given you to go through whatever we have to go through. For me to say, God, remove it, I can't do it, is literally saying, God, remove it, because the help that you've given me is not sufficient. I'm preaching good. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. I love this right here when he talks about grace, the working of the Holy Spirit. The word sufficient, it means, yes, sufficient, but it also, in the original text, again, I'm going to simple strongs. I hope you go back and look up some of these because you need to see it. It gives us the idea of raising a barrier. My grace, the help of the Holy Spirit, is sufficient. In other words, grace, the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to be enough because I'm going to raise a barrier. All right? Watch this. You can feel the pressure of the trial, but to raise a barrier means I'm not getting the full blow of the attack. You with me? Watch this. If I'm getting, if I am getting a barrier that's raised, that's getting raised... A couple of nights ago, let me just say the other day, so I'm right. 
I got done. I was doing a little bush hogging behind the house. My dog, my Max dog, he, he, has to, he literally has to be with me all the time. He don't like Sundays. He's not, a, he's not I'm still working on his heart. But I say, uh, I'll be right back on Sunday. I, I'm, I'm telling you, he knows. I got a suit and stuff on. He goes back there and he pouts. Don't even want to look at you when you say, I'll be back. But he was wanting to ride the tractor, and it was hot. I've, I, got a, I got a purpose for telling you this. It was hot. And so I thought, well, I'll go get the ranger, bring it back, and I'll just park it down here. I wanted something to drink anyway. Park it in the shade. He can sit on the, the ranger. And so I'm doing all this to accommodate my, my dog. I mean, I am thirsty, but anyway, he's my buddy. And so I, I go back, get the ranger to come back, and I said, you stay here. And you sit right here. So he just sat there just like he does. Good, good boy. I got done. It got right at dark. I got back on the ranger, left the tractor there, and I was going to make a circle to check something and come right back to the house. And while I was driving, there was bugs and everything. I didn't have the windshield up. Bugs and everything hitting me. There was seeds from some of the tall grass blind. Everything was hitting me. I could see him over there. And then look at me, and, and I'm doing this. Instead of stopping and putting the windshield up, I just dunk a little bit. I know, that's ridiculous. I can't believe I told that. But anyway, that's what I did. <laughs> Here's my purpose of the story. I got a purpose. You know what I did? Everything started hitting me. I hunkered down. When Jesus said, my grace is sufficient, I'm going to raise a barrier. If that things are still, if a barrier is part of the way up and I'm still getting hit, the purpose of that barrier is so that I would hunker down. <laughs> because if he can bring me to my knees, that's exactly where he wants me to be at. He said, My grace is sufficient. In other words, the help of the Holy Spirit. It's going to bring you to right where I want you so that I can prove something to you. Paul, he would pray and a man was raised back to life and he's walking around his chest off and all of a sudden the Lord would allow him to be thrown in prison and then Paul is back down here humble again. He even says so that I, if we look in verse number 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. Man so easily allows pride to build up in us. Do you know, do you know if every time I prayed for somebody, every single one of them was healed, do you know how full of myself I would be? I'm preaching good. The sufficient is a barrier that's meant to humble us. And then he says this, My strength, it's the Lord's strength. He's still telling him, it's the words of Christ, is made perfect in your time of weakness. The Lord's strength, the strength here means power. And perfect means this, it's not meant to be so strong that you can just sit there and take it on your own. It's meant to be just enough strength that you will deny a little bit of self, kneel down a little bit, and still be able to endure it because you're learning to lean upon Christ. Not too great, but not so weak that it destroys you. My strength is made perfect 
Time of weakness, the word weakness means malady, whatever it may be. Now, I just give you what to believe. That was number one. This is what you got to believe. And the second thing is verse number seven. I just read it. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. The apostle Paul was given the most revelations of any other apostle. That's why this thorn of the flesh was given to me. The reason that we face trial and tribulation is so that we don't allow ourselves to be exalted more highly than what we should. The Lord keeps us depending upon Him. We have to continue to be dependent upon the Lord. You ever notice how when everything's going great, you really don't need God? Okay. I'm preaching to me. Don't pray as much. You start skipping church more. I'm preaching good. When we don't, when everything is going great, bank account looks all right. Everything, everything is going good. We tend to forget about the Lord. I already said we, so you might as well agree with me this morning. But when everything's bad, dear God, help me. I need you. Yeah. You know what? I had a pastor friend tell me one time, and I'll quit with this. Brother Jeff, would you come? He said, there are times that I've walked into a church, walked into my church, and began to call upon the Lord. And as soon as I walked in, I felt the presence of God so strong upon me. I just worshiped God for a while. He said, then there was times that I would walk in and pray for 30 minutes and feel like I wasted my time. I didn't never feel the presence of the Lord. So I asked God, God, why? Why is it like that? God spoke to his heart and said, well, there's sometimes I just want to talk to you a little more. And he got to thinking, well, if I feel the presence of the Lord, I leave quickly. But if I don't feel his presence immediately, I continue to pray and seek his face. You know what? God loves you, and sometimes he just wants to talk to you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's just trying to humble us to a place that we will continue to be dependent upon him. Not being mean. He's showing love. Everything becomes seemingly perfect. We give up. So God allows a trial to humble us. I want to tell you this morning. In every trial, you will either succumb to the enemy and believe every lie that he's telling you. In every trial, you're going to succumb to the enemy and believe every lie that he's telling you. Or... You're going to believe what I just preached. And you're going to allow the grace of God to humble you back to a place to say, God, I'm not sure what you're doing yet. I'm really not sure why I'm going through this. But what I do know is that if I look back on my life, you've been God that's been faithful, that's never left me, never forsaken me. And I've got no reason to believe you're going to break that today. So God, whatever you're doing, whatever it is that I need to learn, I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me. We will either succumb or we will be humbled by the power of God. But this morning, I just come to tell you something that you already know 
but I felt like it needs to be refreshed in our mind. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what has distracted you. I'm not going to make light of your situation. I will never do that. But I come to tell you, the grace of God is sufficient for you, and His strength is made perfect in your time of weakness. If you'll come back and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me. He will restore you. And He will begin to help you to continue about this journey today. Would you stand with me this morning? Whatever you got, go ahead. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Saving his house from that soon coming storm, air of righteousness. Will you just worship for just a moment? Paul wrote from cell in prison in Rome. I fought a good fight, now it's time to go home. Oh, I kept the faith. That's right. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.